Welcome to the Light Bears Institute podcast, where we seek to improve biblical literacy by discussing key storylines and themes in Scripture. Hey everybody, good to have you here. This is Andrew Bro with Light Bears again, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna try something a little bit different for this podcast. Uh, I've got Kevin McCollum, our executive director, with me. That is actually not different because we've done that before. The thing that's different is um, we're going to talk about the Psalms today, but instead of interviewing one of our teachers, we're just we're going to have a conversation about it, and uh, and so it'll be in some ways a little more personal than some of the other ones are. Um, we're going to talk some about Psalms we really enjoy, and and we have not just to be totally honest, done the level of study on this that we would have if we uh, if we taught it. So neither one of us have taught this recently. We have spent some time in it, um, of course. But but just to, to dig into the Psalms together conversationally. Um, and so I've been I've been looking forward to this to this time. So um, Kevin, I'm just going to assume you've been looking forward to it as well. Just I have, day and night. Just First of all, I get to be with you. Yep. Second of all, we get to be with all of That's our right. listeners, all seven of them out there. Yep. My mom, your mom, and their friends, and a couple of students. Yep. And, uh, and we get in the Word. That's right. So what's better about that? And we're actually, where we're recording this today, we're surrounded by musical equipment. Um, so that's totally appropriate for the Psalms. Um the clanging symbol. No, there's no, there's no symbols around here, but, um, so, uh, Kevin, just set it up for us a little bit. I mean, there's 150 Psalms they are divided into books. Just give us a little context and then we'll kind of dive into, let's dive into a few specific ones. Yeah. Great. The, you know, the Psalms come, this, the title of what we call it, the Psalms. Some people call it the Psalter, right? It really comes from a Hebrew word that's been translated a couple of different ways, but sort of this older version, it just means songs. Uh, later it's translated as praises. So the idea really is you have a songbook here where we're talking about a hymn book of God's people that even today we sing uh, straight from the Psalms. Some churches practice that um, very regularly, but the, the Psalter has been a part of God's sort of worship um, diet uh, really since um, the times of David and, and before we'll see. I think that's probably why we read it sometimes and some of them sound so familiar is because you'll say, I feel like maybe I've sung this in church at some point. Like, right, exactly. Even as you read it sometimes, like you start kind of bobbing your head a little bit, like, oh, I remember how this one goes. I mean, you're not, <laughs> you don't actually remember how it goes. You've just, it's kind of led you that way before. So, yeah, what's interesting is, is a couple of them I found even recently, uh, I'll read them and the song comes to my head, but I realize I've been singing sort of with a, a mindset or a tone that doesn't even match the psalm. It's yeah. really kind of a dark psalm and I'm kind of yeah, bouncing like, <laughs> around like, you know, life is wonderful and the psalmist is crying out yeah. in desperation. Yeah. So, yeah. so no, you're right. Um, yeah, so some of the things are interesting. The psalms, uh, there's several different authors. Um, really, uh, half of them are um, ascribed to David or it says written by David or a Psalm of David. Um, so that's only about half of the Psalms, 73 to 75. There's two others. Maybe the new Testament would, uh, say were his, uh, there were a couple of other people. There were the sons of Korah. There was Asaph, uh, all of the sons of Korah and Asaph were workers in the sanctuary. So, so they had some degree of responsibility for say festivals or ceremonies or worship times, um, for God's people, um, and about a third of them are unknown. We just really, frankly, do not know who wrote them. Um, and but all of them really uh, have something to do with worship. You know, David was a musician. We know clearly he he's, he writes songs. He sang, danced. Um, again, those who are working in the uh, in the sanctuary that we mentioned, the sons of Korah and Asaph, had some degree of um, 
sort of uh, responsibility for God's people in their worship. And so, so really there's a lot of weight to not only that these are songs by the title, but the authors themselves were engaged in leading God's people in worship. So, so this is really sort of a divinely inspired hymn book, if you will. You know, so, I think of it like in, uh, you know, today we have uh, some of, some of our listeners might be familiar with this, but like the book of common prayer where it's, it's this, okay, here's a book of prayers that someone else wrote, and yet we will pray them. And I, I think we live in a culture sometimes that like, hey, if I didn't write this myself, if this isn't truly coming from me, then it's inauthentic. And and I think historically, that's not always the case. And so that's kind of the way the Psalms are is, hey, David wrote this, and yet this is going to um, call me to join my heart and my attitude and my emotion and my words, all of it up into that. And so obviously this is divinely inspired. The book of common prayer is not, but it's the same kind of motif of, Hey, here's a thing that's going to call all of us into it. And even though they weren't my words originally, I can, I can enter into that story. And that's a good thing to be called into the larger community. Yeah, absolutely. And you said the word community there. I think it's one of the big, the big points, right? Is that we're not sort of ascribing to God something that isn't his. It's not something he calls himself to. And so the Psalms not only give us divinely inspired hymns, uh, divinely inspired texts to reflect on and to read, to learn about God, but they also model to us an appropriate way to approach God, an appropriate way to to respond to him. You know, it, without the Psalms, we may tend to be afraid to go to God with honest pleas. You know, where are you, Lord? Why have you abandoned me? Why are you not coming to my aid? Why do my enemies and the evil people um, thrive when I'm I'm cast down, if you will? Um, or we may um, we may not be willing to just be exuberant. You know, blessed be the name of the Lord, and you know, just these high praises you see, especially in the later Psalms. And so the Psalms are a great model. You know that God does expect authenticity. Uh, you know, from us and um, whether that's, you know, a prayer from us, a song from us, but especially obviously this being divine, divinely inspired, that this is a, a song we could grab hold of and take before the Lord and said, Lord, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> that's me right yeah. there. That's how I feel. Like, yeah. you know. I know John Calvin, I'm going to mess up this quote a little bit, um, but he talked about the Psalms as an anatomy of the soul, that it is a and, and I think you read through Psalms and there's going to be times, and this is my own experience, that you read a Psalm and you think, yeah, that's good, but I, I'm not really connecting with that one right now. And on some level, I think it's fine because, sure. and then, but I'm so thankful that there's Psalms that cover the anatomy of the soul because on a day that is really difficult or challenging, in a sense, there's a Psalm for that. And on the day when you feel like right. rejoicing, there's a Psalm for that. And that's not to mean you use it for your purposes. I just think it's a gracious thing of the Lord to not simply give us histories of his people, but the internal life of some of his right. people. Um, and so I think that's a, that's a healthy way to look at it sometimes. Yeah, it is. And, and actually some of the Psalms were written in that very posture. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about a lot of the Psalms have a general theme, you know, this is something about God's character, maybe the history of God with his peoples. We'll talk about maybe a little bit, but, but, um, you know, even uh, Psalm three, uh, I was looking at today. Um, it it's titled, you know, when David was fleeing from uh, from Absalom. So he's writing this psalm in an event. There is a moment, there is a a specific time that he relates to when he reads that psalm back or sings that psalm back, even his own day. So so that's what they're they're written with that in mind. If that makes sense, there are moments where 
a certain psalm would minister to our soul and we'd attach to when maybe a month before that psalm we might have just sort of cast aside and and going and gone yeah. forward. Yeah, so. you even see that um, when Jonah is in the fish and Jonah two, he gives this prayer. Well, it, it echoes. I mean, in some spots, word for word, one of the Psalms. And so I think there is this, at his darkest moment, um, literally darkest moment, he was underwater in a fish. At if I had his, a symbol, I would give you one on that one, you know. <laughs> but at, at his darkest moment, what comes back to his mind and what does he pray? He prays Psalms. I mean, I see this in my own life, praying scripture, singing scripture, those are things that are really, really valuable and in a sense, soul directing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really uh, needed in my own life. Yeah. And I love the variety for the Psalms. You know, some people are more, um, you know, more sort of left brain, right brain, if you will. So sometimes you want to grab hold of this great imagery. You know, my soul is panting like a deer looking for water. You know, you, you get this, you know, you get this imagery and sometimes, you know, we're just at a point where it's quite literal Lord, I'm struggling here. And I, and I go back to maybe Psalm 3 as an example, because David says, you know, um, oh Lord, how many are my foes? Men are rising against me. That's that's the beginning of Psalm 3 when he's being chased by Absalom. Well, that's a very literal thing. Yeah. That's not that's yeah, not yeah. intended to like yeah, conjure yeah. up some, yeah. you know, like higher image. I mean, he's being chased mm-hmm. and, and he's crying out to the Lord. And yet that too was a song before the Lord. That too is uh, praise because he knows God will be will deliver him. And he says that even even later. And I think it's great if you read the Psalms, they're not disconnected, you know, so we could talk about how certain Psalms, uh, you know, kind of hit us at certain times, feed our soul in different ways, maybe, but they, they do have themes. You know, you see really through the Psalms, the God's people singing out the very themes we've seen throughout the Old Testament all, all along, you know, God created the world and, and man fell and rebelled and God provided a way of escape, you know, uh, that God's faithful and true to his people and God brings full restoration. And, and in the end, God gets glory for all to all the earth, you know what I mean? And his people will follow that and in his, his glory will be caught up in that and will be delivered and we'll be also at his at his right hand. And so, you know, you see creation, you see fall, you see redemption, you see restoration, you see all of these great themes and this themes all underneath one true God, the one God, you know, the, and his one people. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, well, we talked about this. Um, I mean, just as, as you and I have talked about the Psalms, it's divided into these five different books. Um, so books within the book of Psalms, um, and so let's, let's work our way through those a little bit. Um, Psalm 1, don't worry, folks, we're not going to do all 150 of these one at a time. But Psalm 1 is the first one. It opens book 1. I know you spent some time on that one in Psalm 2 and just in your own study over the years. Talk us through um, what you see in Psalm 1 and what, what you've learned there. Yeah, I think that, um, as we said, there, there are um, you know, 150 different Psalms in five books. There, some people will have Psalm 1 as the first Psalm of book 1, and sometimes book 1 might start with Psalm 3 because 1 and 2 tend to go together and be an introductory. So either way, it doesn't really matter. The idea is that 1 and 2 really set up big themes throughout um, throughout all the Psalms. Um, and, and Psalm 1 starts with, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And it goes on about meditating on that law. It talks about those who are scoffers, the wicked. They're not so. They do they do things differently. They they mock and they scoff. And they in the end, they don't even um, get to stand in the judgment. You know, that they're not going to stand before God. God will do away with them. And it 
in it in Psalm two, we see that actually the all the nations rage and join the wicked against this one whom the person in Psalm one follows, the righteous man, if you will. And you see this great psalm of uh, of certainty, right? You've got the the kings raging and plotting, but it says in vain. It says the Lord laughs; he holds him in derision. He says this great statement um, in verse eight, Psalm two eight. Um, excuse me. Um, I'll find it here. There it is. Sorry. Wait verse six. It, wait for it, folks. Yeah, wait for it. Wait for it. <laughs> uh, verse six. He says, "I as for me, God says, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill." Right. God's like, look, you, you can rage and plot and be wicked and you can scoff and you can mock. You can do it as individual someone. You can do it as a nation, Psalm 2. You can do it as a league of nations, Psalm 2. It's a settled matter. My king will rule. My king is on Zion. He is on my holy hill. And um, he's going to break you like a pot being smashed with a rod of iron. Um, It ends, however, Psalm 2, with this great call out. Look, Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. There's this salvific, like, turn to the one who holds the rod of iron before it's too late, because his wrath is quickly kindled. He's gracious and kind, right? We'll see these themes pop up all the time. And as we started with, blessed is the one who walks, not in the counsel of the wicked, and all in, in, in the beginning of Psalm 1, the end of Psalm 2 says, blessed are all who take refuge in him. So this community is blessed when we come together and we take refuge in Christ. And we're going to need a refuge in this world. There is an enemy. We see that in Genesis 3.15, right? We've got this enmity between the woman and the serpent and the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman we talked about in the first podcast. Well, here we see that play out on a national level. We see groups of people coming together and going to war over this very thing. But God's people can come together under refuge of in Christ, take refuge in Christ, and they're blessed. And you see that throughout the psalm, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm under attack. Here, God, in you, I have, uh, we have help. We, I, you know, we're blessed because we take refuge in you, and you will be victorious in the end. So I, I think that, great, two great psalms that yeah. set the pace. I think the word refuge, I mean, you mentioned that a couple times. Um, as I've read through psalms in the past, refuge is just a word that just jumps out at you over and over again. Um, and then I know when we had um, Jim Hamilton from from Southern Seminary, uh, what was it, last year, a couple of years ago, come and share with our staff. He has a book that talks about the glory of God and salvation through judgment, that there is judgment, but there's salvation within that um, The the for those who have Christ as their refuge. And so I think, I mean, I think that's the thing that you know, as you, as you kind of make the Psalms personal for yourself, I think that's one of the natural challenging points is to say, what does it mean for you, for me to take Christ, to, to look to God as my refuge, to make God my refuge in this, um, in this season of life? There's obviously the big salvation piece of that. There's also the day to day. What does it mean for God to be my refuge? You know, so you listener, that's, that's one of the things I would say to just, spend some time thinking through, wrestling through is um, what does it mean for God to be your refuge today Um, when you probably aren't fleeing from a king that's chasing you, but still there's a call to to know God as your refuge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It reminds me of Psalm 42, I think. Oh, great. Great transition. (laughs) Wow. That was written in front of me. I mean, uh, that was a great transition right off the top of my head. No, but Psalm 42 means we talked about this. Um, What a great Psalm to kind of apply that. Uh, You know, I have my own 
journey with Psalm 42. I know you do as well. I mean, what is it about Psalm 42 that we relate to so well? Yeah, I mean, the, the phrase, and again, this isn't an original phrase. This is something that I think it was Martin Lloyd-Jones, the old um, pastor who said this, but he said, you know, all, one of our chief problems, he probably uses the word like maladies instead of problems, but one right. of our chief problems is that we listen to ourselves instead of talking to ourselves. We get up in the morning and how I'm doing is determined essentially by um, how myself, how, how my heart, my head tells me I'm doing. Um, and he says, well, one of the things we need to do is we need to change that and talk to ourselves instead of listen to ourselves. And and he uses Psalm 42 as the example there. And um, verse 5 says, why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? So he's talking to his soul. Hey, soul, why are you in despair? And then it says, hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. And then it reiterates at the last verse Uh, Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. So there's this, um, and and for those of us, myself included, who are um, self-analyzing, introspective to a fault, uh, literally to a fault at times, there's something really um, helpful and instructive about saying, hey, there's times where instead of just analyzing how you're doing and listening to yourself, you just need to tell yourself, hope in God. Um, you'll praise him. He will reign, going back to Psalm 2. He's the help of my countenance and my God. And so I think that's, you know, that's, you know, one of these rocks that that I cling to, and I know others have as well. Of, hey, talk to your soul. Talk to yourself. Yeah, what's interesting here is so many of the Psalms are about an enemy, mm-hmm. and it's an enemy without Right, it's it's another nation. It's it's uh, somebody pursuing, as we talked about, even with Psalm three. But this is yourself. You are your enemy here, mm-hmm. isn't it? And I think that makes Psalm forty two really distinctive. Um, when he, as you said, as he says, as he's rebuking his own soul, as he's calling his own soul out, he's he's really talking to himself. And you get no sense that there's a third party out there, a right. second party, um, you know, causing any problem in in, uh, in his life, and. Um, and as uh, the sons of Korah knew well. Yeah. So I think it's great. I, I love this. Uh, it's, uh, the book, Spiritual Depression by Martin okay. Lord Jones is a great resource. He unpacks this well, but this over introspection is a downward spiral. It just leads us to deeper darkness. Not the introspection right. is wrong, right. but as you said, there is a line when you cross it, it, it there's nothing productive mm-hmm. at that point. And Sometimes we just have to look at ourselves and just preach the gospel back to ourselves. You know, like I've been bought with a price. I'm Christ. You know, I've got a hope in God. I will, I will, I will come because God promises covenantly I'm his, you know, in, in all these stories. And, you know, for me, um, as you know, and as those close to me know, the last year or so have been pretty challenging, uh, physical challenges and have had to pull out of some things. Maladies, perhaps. Some maladies. <laughs> Some parodies, some yep, some melodies along the yeah. way. Uh, it's been a it's been a tough season, and so having to um, deal with those things a part of the psalm, apart mm-hmm. from the psalms, is really difficult. But but man, when I found myself here, when I found myself in some of these other psalms, and was able to say, "Yeah, this is me too, Lord," mm-hmm. um, it really guarded my thinking, so that when my physical body was struggling uh, and I didn't have answers. Um, it allowed my spirit to continue to um, 
to depend upon Christ, mm-hmm. where the word of God became that fresh water that came. I didn't really need the high praise psalms uh, at the end. I wasn't ready for Psalm 150. I wasn't ready to shout, and I wasn't ready to clap my hands and, and play loudly and dance loudly before mm-hmm. the Lord. I just needed to know it was going to be okay. Yeah. And Psalm 42 was just one of those key ones. Yeah. Um, you know, this is one of those I referred to earlier, actually, you know, it's the deer pants for flowing water, my soul longs after you, you know, this uh, praise song that um, some of us, you know, probably sang, you know, years ago. And um, I sort of sang that as this like, yeah, you know, but man, I read it here and it's like, I am desperate for a drink. It's not that I'm so passionate for you that I just, I can't, can't wait. It's like, I'm at the point where I've exhausted myself to the end and all I can do is fall into the stream. And this Psalm just really spoke to me in that way. And so it's just, it's just great. What a gift the Lord gave us in uh, giving us these Psalms, I think. And I think a lot of times we, and as we, myself, we, our culture, we we short circuit it a little bit. We look at the Psalms and we say, okay, great. I can voice whatever I want to God. God's not afraid of my questions. And, And that's true. And that's good. And that's one of the lessons of the Psalms. Most of the time when you read the Psalms and it starts with a, where are you? I'm lost. I'm confused. That sort of thing. It almost always ends with a, and yet here's what I know is true. Um, and I think that's, that is this, um, it's this encouragement and caution to us to say, yeah, bring your questions to the Lord, bring them all day long. He's not, he's not afraid of them. He knows them. If they're in your heart anyways, obviously he knows them, but don't let that dominate everything. That's not the end of the story. The end of the story is not your questions. It's God's presence. Not That's not to say necessarily God's answers. Look at Job as an example. At the end of Job, Job does not get a, hey, here's, here's why the suffering happened. He gets a, don't forget, I am the Lord and I'm in charge and I'm good. And I'm, you know, I mean, I'm present in a sense and I am fixed. Well, in the Psalms, I think it's a little bit of the same of, you may not get all your questions answered, but you want it to turn you to, okay, but there is someone who is um, good and fixed and the rock, the refuge, that sort of thing. So, yeah, I love it. So seven, I, Oh, go ahead. No, I'm just thinking in a very real way, there's the Psalms show us, there's always, a, there's another song coming. Yeah. Right. As you read the Psalms over and over, or you go from one to two to three and, mm-hmm. and throughout the 150, um, you know, from, uh, just in your soul, it's great to know, Oh, wait, this isn't the only Psalm I'll mm-hmm. ever sing. Yeah. This Psalm of just, just hanging tight, just, yeah. just hanging on. Yeah. Uh, there, there is a Psalm coming, uh, you know, now, but not yet. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Same, same kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. So Psalm 73, 73 is one you mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, you've kind of have an affinity for it's Yeah. The first Psalm in the third book. Yeah. Over the years, this has been one that's my favorite and it's kind of introspective in the same way. It's not a, um, it's not a, um, I'm fleeing from enemies. This is, a. I'm, I'm considering, I'm thinking, that sort of thing. Um, so this is by Asaph, Asaph. So um, just uh, this was a guy who was, as you said earlier, one of the the lead singers in a sense. So First Chronicles is going to mention him as um, he worked for David as one of the um, chief singers. So it makes sense that he would be one who who writes this, you know, or the people he worked with, he kind of represented them. But it's kind of from his his school. Um, 
as a fun side note, his brother uh, in First Chronicles 6, his brother's name is He-Man, which I think is phenomenal. I don't know that's actually how it's pronounced in Hebrew, but I'm going to pronounce it that it's way. It's hard not to have this image of the singer and the He-Man beside yeah. each other. They might have a different stature about them, yeah. but I mean, that's probably unfair, right? <laughs> uh, so here we have the psalm that uh, He-Man's brother wrote, um, but it starts with, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. So he kind of starts with this, okay, here's what's true, and then immediately goes to, but as for me, my foot came, my feet came close to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped. And I, I've had moments of that in my life of, and I, whether because of, hey, almost going into sin or, or as is the case in this one, I, I started thinking the wrong way. I, I started, you know, for him, it was, I was envious of the arrogant. I started to think, there's there's no there's no good judgment in the end here people can live the however they want there's no benefit to serving the lord like i think we've all had had thoughts like that at different moments in time and he has that and he acknowledges that he said this is what i saw and this is what it seemed like um and so there, there's kind of about eight ten verses of that and then, you know, he says, verse 13, surely in vain, I've kept my heart pure. I mean, this is a guy who's one of the chief singers of Israel saying, I watched everything and it just seemed as if this is all pointless. This following of the Lord, surely it's in vain. So he says that in verse 13. And then um, just after that, he says, if I had said thus, if I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. Um, he said, if I had sp- spoken that way, um, I was senseless and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. So he, it says that he he came into the sanctuary and he saw things rightly. So he kind of looks and says, I was seeing things wrongly for so long, however long that was, I don't know. But and he says, then I came into the sanctuary of God and I perceived their end. So I looked at the air again. I looked at um, the wicked and I, it seemed as if everything was working out well for them. But then I came into the sanctuary and I perceived their end. It doesn't mean that he saw what actually happened to them. He said, I perceived, I understood their end. And then it ends with, um, and this is maybe a little more familiar to some. It says, whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And so he kind of switches to this perspective of, yeah, it, it seemed as if, the wicked were, were prospering. Um, but ultimately who do I have, but you earth has nothing I desire besides you, my flesh, my heart, everything I have that may fail. God, I'm going to trust you to be my portion kind of regardless of the results. And so I think that that's another, just, I mean, just personally, that's been one over the years that has just been a, a rock for me of, Hey, in, in the midst of being confused in terms of, Hey, what, what's the value of, you know, this or that, God, I want you to be my my portion. Wh- whom have I in heaven but you? You know, reminds of, you know, in John when when Peter says, "Where else are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life." You know, um, and so um, that's just one I've loved over the years. So, um, okay, Psalm ninety. I'm gonna flip it to you. You we we've talked about Psalm ninety from Lightbearer's perspective right. over the years, but um, Psalm ninety, it's it's um, the one. Uh, psalm that we have that that is ascribed to Moses. So this is one of maybe the oldest psalm we have. Talk about Psalm ninety for a minute. Yeah, it's a great point that with it um, being from Moses and and um, I think the theme of of ninety really as you read it, it, it really just highlights that um, God's been here from the beginning. God's gonna be here 
the end. God's ways will come to pass. Um, his great statement, this is bef- verse two, before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And immediately after that it says, you return man to dust. I mean, you kind of get that yeah. contrast pretty quickly, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Moses yeah. is not playing around. It, it, it's God's eternal. You're born in dust, you go to dust and that mm-hmm. happens that fast. Yeah. And so you, you, you get this great history of, of sort of God's working on our behalf. Um, and then I love the statement. Um, as you come down, he says to, um, you know, uh, teach us to number our days, verse 12, that we may have a heart of wisdom, teach us to number our days. So in the end, as we look how you are eternal and we looked our days, he says, maybe the strength of man is 70 years, maybe 80 right? Teach us the number of days so that we would gain a heart of wisdom, recognizing that we have a short span of life here, right? All of our worries, all of our concerns, all of our victories, all of our great ambitions, all the mountains that we want to climb, right, are like a vapor. Uh, And so we're to be what? Verse 14, just be satisfied in the morning with a steadfast love. And I think, you know, even as you say that, we talk about, you know, earlier we talked about using the words of Psalms to kind of you know, motivate yourself in a sense or echo prayers back. I mean, I think of that and what a great thing to pray for somebody, teach them to number their days aright. I hope I'd love it. If people, everybody praying, listening to this podcast, pray for me that I would number my days. right. I mean, those are things that I really want myself and those I love and care about to be called to, to really view themselves in right perspective that we would number our, number our days rightly. So um, I think it's good. Yeah, and then the days that we have are in the Lord's hand as well. Mm-hmm. So we know the number of them. We, we sort of judge them rightly. And just right after that, um, he says in verse 15, Moses says, make us glad for as many days as you have. And insert a word. Nope, you're wrong. It's afflicted <laughs> us, right? Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Right? So, look, we live um, sort of in the between world, right? I mean, we've been created and we're going we're gonna to dwell with him forever. But in the meantime, we have a, a finite number of days that we're to rightly count we're to see, know that God will satisfy us in the morning with a steadfast love if we seek him. Um, and um, if he'll show us his work, if we could see his work and the glorious power in their children, in us, and that that writes us, that's how we count our days well. That's right. That's how we live this life. And I love this. We've, we've done this for our organization. We prayed this many times. Verse 17, let the favor of the Lord, our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes. Establish the work of our hands. That's an exclamation point. So in the end of numbering our days, like Lord, please establish the work of our hands. Let us labor before you in a way that pleases and honors you satisfied in your steadfast love, because the day will come quickly when all the afflictions, everything's over and, and eternity is ushered in and we're with you forever. So uh, it's a great, it's a great Psalm. Um, well, for the sake of time, let's, let's wrap up. Go, I'm going to make you jump all the way to 150. Um, so we started with one. Let's go to, to go to 150. I mean, you called it a, a doxology. It's one of the shorter ones. It ends with, I mean, the word praise, the words praise the Lord over and over again. And um, so finish, you know, finish with some thoughts on that one. Yeah, I mean, the end is 
it's here, right? Verse six, it's the very last verse, last stanza, last, you know, we like to do, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus a couple of times, repeat the last line, whatever. So this is where it's modeled, right? For all of you 7-11s, you know, seven words, 11 times, uh, you guys that don't like that. Well, Psalm 150 here, we're ending here. Let everything that has breath, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And, And that just rings through, right? This, this great shout, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I don't think they sang this in a somber way, you know, when this was, when this was released, when this was introduced in the temple, it probably wasn't this, um, you know, praise the Lord. This is like, man, every verse exclamation point, this is clanging cymbals. We're we're talking about tambourines and dancings. And uh, I think the pipe here is not the kind you smoke. I'm guessing, um, it says sounding symbols, you know, clashing symbols. I mean, and it's this wake up call. This is the Lazarus comes forth for all of the worshipers on planet earth. Everything even that has breath. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's an awesome just ending doxology to say, you know, when I go through 49 songs here, through every stage of my life, counting my days well, remembering the low times, the high times, remembering who God is, remembering my failures, remembering the the community that I'm around and their commitment to the Lord and God glorifying himself through this great, this covenant people he's prayed for himself. All I can do in the end is what? Just praise him. Well, that's great. And, um, you know, we at Live Bears, we spend a lot of time on, the big picture narrative of scripture. And I think that's great. Obviously we want to do that. Um, you know, I think we want um, our students and our mentors and all of those folks to not simply intellectually know, okay, big picture story. I know what happened. I know the timeline. I know the, even the themes we want them and we want ourselves to engage and to say, Hey, this praise is something that um, comes from me it comes from my heart and so um, I think that's one of the reminders of Psalms is to to let us enter into this individually as a community um, but to not let it simply be intellectual and so um, Kevin enjoyed it it's been fun yeah enjoyed it great all right you've been listening to the Light Bears Institute podcast a production of Light Bears Ministries for more information visit lightbears.com you